Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story to tell, and on our podcast, Wonder Women in Business, we give a voice to these women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with you so that in their shining, you have permission to shine as well. We should all lift one another up, wouldn't you say? Today's guest is Christine Clare of Willamette Valley Vineyards. Christine, welcome. Thank you for taking time out of your super duper busy schedule to be here today. I know that you have tons of responsibility on your plate, and I am super, super glad to have you here. Uh, Thank you, Susan. It's a pleasure. Great, great, great. So folks, you're going to learn a lot about Willamette Valley Vineyards, but you're also going to learn a lot about Christine, and she's done remarkable things. I happen to know her story to a degree, so I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it from straight from her mouth. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, so I'm the winery director here at Willamette Valley Vineyards, and um, one of the special things about this for me is that I actually grew up at the base of the vineyard that I now lead. And um, at the age of about five, I actually walked up the gravel driveway and sold friendship bracelets to the first wine tasters that came and visited the winery back in the early 90s. So I have this lifelong connection with our land and uh, with the special people here. And it's just a pleasure to be working with our founder and CEO and to be part of his succession plan to keep this winery as an ongoing Um, effort involved in our community and to take care of our people here for a long, long time. What a great, great story. And not only the connection for your entire life, or at least since you were five, but the commitment and the giving back and the sense of family that it seems you have there, um, not blood relatives, but still, I think even more importantly, you choose to be a part of that community and that village, if you will. Um, it's a fantastic story how you sort of grew up in that vineyard and now you're running the show. Uh, what has been, I mean, I would imagine that's your proudest professional accomplishment, but what can you tell us a bit more about your proudest professional accomplishment? Well, I'm certainly humbled to be selected to be our founder succession plan, but I think when I look back at the things that, you know, make me feel you know, emotional about the accomplishment or just a sense of real pride, it it comes down to some of the work we did this past um, harvest. And um, and that was that this past year, the West Coast just was threatened with wildfires. And they impacted a lot of industries in our state from tourism to agriculture. And there was a large cancellation of contracts down in Southern Oregon due to um, a large out-of-state winery citing smoke taint. And when we learned of the catastrophe that this could have on the family farms in the region, you know, we really felt that we should do whatever we could possible to help lift these people up. And so we actually went down to Southern Oregon and we helped test the grapes and see if they were viable to be used in um, And what we learned is that the grapes were actually within safe thresholds um, to be made into high quality wines. And so then the real work started where we harvested as much of the stranded crop as possible to pay the families the full contract rate. And we teamed up with four um, 
well, we've teamed up with three other Oregon wineries and winemakers to make a collaborative set of wines with the proceeds going back to the growers and vineyards in the region. And I just feel that this project, you know, you don't feel this way when you're in the middle of it. It felt more like a crisis. But now looking back, it really does kind of embody the values and collaborative spirit that the Oregon wine industry has and that our state has. So I'm really proud to have been a part of it. And it's even more exciting to see how it's kind of lived on. And now there's a lot of projects that are helping people that, you know, they just had no control over, you know, the situations that they were in. So it's wonderful to give back. I think this story is so powerful because even though there are many listeners who don't live out here on the West Coast, or you may not know a lot about our wine country over here, um, Oregon is a super duper power player in wine um, production and distribution and the quality of the Pinot Noir at your uh, vineyards is just amazing. Um, I'm sure the other wines as well, I'm just familiar with the Pinot. But I, I do want to say that when you go through such a tragedy, I think that in the, in the moment you're on high alert, your adrenaline's rushing, you're trying to solve problems left and right. But now that you've had time to reflect and look back, you can either, you know, be sad about what happened and have it damage you and your psyche forever, or you can learn the lessons from it. And I think with the story you just described, it seems it brought people closer and you did so many wonderful things for those who were impacted. I think that the lessons learned outweigh the, the negative uh, effect, if you will. So for those of you not out here, you probably, if you didn't read about or see the fires that we experienced over the last year and a half here in, on the West Coast, you, you must have been on an, on Mars. I don't know. Cause it was, I mean, it was, I mean, entire neighborhoods burned down and, you know, business suffered. And, um, so I come from Louisiana and we suffer hurricanes. So I've lived mm-hmm. in of that. And people are like, it must be you everywhere you go. <laughs> Not me, I promise there are natural disasters everywhere. But what a beautiful story. So who, who inspired you through all this or, or even in your career? Who's been your best inspirational mentor, if you will? Well, I'm really lucky to be in this kind of second generation of wine growers here in Oregon, where we're actually still have the privilege to work alongside of our industry's pioneers. And that's such a special time to be able to you know, kind of just absorb the experiences and the independence and vision that many of them had. And so I really look up to people like our founder and CEO, Jim Bernot, um, also, you know, Susan Sokolblosser of Sokolblosser Winery and David Adelsheim for his work and, you know, planting some of the first vineyards. And it's wonderful because these people are still very, very active in our industry in passing down, you know, passing down a, 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 a foundation that, you know, is such a gift. And to be able to also have, uh, you know, the privilege to carry that on, you know, it's a heavy weight to have that pressure, but it's also, you know, the ultimate opportunity. And um, so I, you know, I just um, am thankful for, for people that have really have so much passion and lead with so much passion because it's contagious. And, you know, it's my biggest hope for myself that I can, you know, 
in my 30 to 40 years, carry that, you know, carry that and then also pass it down as well. I love that you mentioned, so you're learning directly from the masters by working, by working right beside them. I mean, that's incredible. You can ask questions, you can uh, see how they do things differently and, you know, you get the essence and the nuance. It's not you're reading from mm-hmm. an instructor <laughs> how to do this. You're, you're, you're living it. It's just great that you get to do that alongside the masters and those who started all this. I'm not sure if everyone who's listening understands that, you know, the United States is young. And so our play in the, you know, that industry is not, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. So um, on this coast, we are, we are very well known, obviously, for our wine uh, grapes and our production and our distribution of amazing wines. Um, but the fact that she can work right alongside with the founder of the vineyard that she now represents is just a great, great thing. You're very lucky. Um, Mm -hmm. he's very, you know, what foresight did Jim have to hire you and to put you in that place after having nurtured you and grown you in the industry? And, uh, you know, that's, that's really great for him to have recognized in you that you have what it takes to take his place. And what a great, um, vote of confidence, let's just say. Yeah, I really am appreciative of the selflessness he has as a leader and that real servant leadership mentality where, you know, when you look at someone when they get to this point in their lives, you know, they have every right to fully exit and reap the, you know, financial rewards of their hard work. And instead, you know, Jim really wanted to grow a leader, you know, slowly in-house so that, you know, I was very connected to the culture of our company and to the complexities of it and the people so that, you know, he didn't have to sell and that it will carry on, you know, hundreds of years and um, hopefully longer. You know, when we look at the European model, there's wineries in families you know, for, for centuries and centuries. And that's what we want to build here. And you're right. I mean, it is so young. This is, we're just getting started here in the new world. We've only had Pinot Noir planted in our state for just over 50 years. So it is amazing to see how fast we've come and then to have leaders that really want to set us up well in the future. And, um, you know, Jim is essentially putting all of his ownership in the company into trust to be voted by the key employees of the winery. And um, I just feel, you know, yeah, we're so thankful that, um, you know, he essentially um, is passing that on and, um, and not selling, you know, and choosing not to sell. So for him, you know, finding a young leader that wanted to kind of grow up inside the business and um, I, you know, I'm, I feel very lucky that it was kind of the right time. Um, but then also, I think we have we have a lot of shared strengths that have allowed us to, you know, be very compatible in our work styles. And there's a lot of things that Jim fosters that have really benefited, you know, myself, but then other female leaders in our company. And, um, you know, that's something that I've really seen that the strengths-based leadership model really allows anyone to rise, you know, not, you know, without any, you know, age consideration or gender consideration, 
if you, you know, if you are a performance-based model, I find women win a lot of the time. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, I think, attributed to, in great part, our transformational leadership style, which I was going to say kudos to Jim for incorporating that leadership style into his way, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of professional services firms that I work with, you know, I, I train and teach on communication styles and inclusive diversity and um, lifting women, if you will. So I, I find that a, a lot of the law firms that I've either worked with or known of um, do not adopt that style, you know, having a succession plan in place and nurturing the younger. It's more like take what I can, leave when I want. And that's not his style, it seems. Jim is very uh, paying it forward, giving back, all that that is required of or is indicative of a transformational leader. Um, so lucky you and lucky the rest of us that he mm -hmm. is that way. Um, frankly, lucky to every partner, vendor, you know, business partner you have, because to work with someone like that makes even the hard days worth it and doable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so a bad day with a good boss beats a good day with a bad boss. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Christine, you know that I personally have the strongly held belief that women should lift each other up. And I know in your industry, it's a male dominated industry and it's mm -hmm. tough for women, but your particular vineyard has a lot of women in leadership positions. And um, it seems like you really care about lifting other women and supporting women in business. Um, what are some of the secrets to that? And what are your contributions? Right. Well, I kind of, you know, mentioned earlier that we really subscribe to the strengths-based model where, you know, we really do focus on, you know, people's contributions that make them satisfied in their work and really directing the, the individual to, you know, the right role and responsibility and almost purposely ignoring the weakness and I, their weaknesses. And I think that that, you know, really that really works well. I mean, it works extremely well in our culture and has resulted in, you know, our winery being made up of 55% women. Um, wow, and yay. yeah, and, and even more in the key management positions um, because it's not, you know, making people fit into, you know, an outdated um, org chart or structure. There's a lot of, um, people wear a lot of different hats around here and there's a lot more ownership um, that I find, you know, women really grasp and run with. Um, I also think that, you know, when we look at our relationship with the employee, we're looking at it as a very long-term partnership and you want to fit, you know, within someone's life and their priorities and what's important to them. And if you can respect that and learn what those things are, I think it builds a lot of loyalty. And, you know, we're, we all have significant things in our lives, whether it's, you know, marriage or children or wanting to go back to school or caring for an ailing parent. And those are things that our work should be supportive of and work within the individual versus being punished or penalized for. And um, I think it's really important for an employer to kind of strike that balance of how you can provide for those high achievers that, you know, really um, will be able to do it all if, give, if allowed, 
you know, the flexibility to find the ways that work for them. That is so great. So it sounds to me like your employees are uh, sort of your internal clients. They are your, they're as important as shareholders or they as, are as important as buyers. I mean, it's, it's, to me, the employee engagement means as much as client engagement or customer engagement. So mm -hmm. I love to see that you're walking the walk. I mean, that's really great. And um, I, folks, know a couple of women who work there, at least through email and phone conversations. And I have to say, the reason I came to know Willamette so well and to love them so much is a woman named Michaela Meyer, uh, now Michaela Pope. She is mm -hmm. wonderful, just fantastic. And she does great things for the vineyard. And she actually introduced me to this amazing woman we are meeting here today, Christine Clare. So let me ask you, it sounds great. Everything sounds good. I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to ask this question because the obvious answer is um, the fires that we experienced on the West mm. Coast. But outside of that, what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, going back, the fires were certainly one and certainly something we're going to likely continue to deal with each year. But the thing I'm most focused on right now, given the time of year and that we're in session with the Oregon legislature, is we are actually um, leading um, for the industry some protections and safeguards for our state's appellations that um, is quite challenging to deal with. Um, we all know, you know, the success that Oregon wines have had recently. We really have kind of come into our own, you know, with a quality reputation. Right. And what it's led to is it's led to um, wineries outside the state making wines labeling them as Oregon, but not abiding to the same high quality standards uh, as in-state winemakers for varietal content and Appalachian content, which here in Oregon are above the federal standard. And, you so know, it might seem gold. like... Yes, yeah, so all it, that glitters mm -hmm. is not gold, folks. So remember that when you buy your wines that say Oregon, they may or may not, you need to double check and make sure they will lament. Wine. Yes, or or even flip the back label over and see where that wine was produced and bottled, as that will tell you if it's an authentically made Oregon wine. And all we want to do, you know, with um, with this legislation, is to really create a level playing field and a set standard for the consumer to rely on. So when you see Oregon or you see Willamette Valley on the label, that you can trust that, you know, that is what's inside the bottle. And, um, you know, unfortunately we have some opposition as there's some mass produced wines that have been, you know, made and sold on the market and quite successfully, but are not, you know, not holding up those standards. And so that's the work right now. And it's really important work as when you look at how Napa received, you know, and earned its reputation or Burgundy or Champagne, it's because of the consumer confidence of the wines and the quality and, and the people there, um, you know, really loving the work that they do. And so I think this is a big opportunity right now and will really set um, us well for the future. But 
you know, being a trained winemaker, I know nothing about this lobbying and legislative work. So this is challenging. <laughs> well, I have to say that um, it's kind of good that you don't know all that right off the bat. It's it's a it's a tough and different type of uh, negotiation and style. I, I was a registered lobbyist in another state mm -hmm. uh, early in my career. Uh, it has changed over the years, and it's people like you and me who, who need to keep it what it should be and not what it could be and has become in some states. So I love that you're actively involved. You're representing your own personal, uh, you know, that which keeps you awake in the day and sometimes probably awake in the night. So mm -hmm. you represent the Willamette brand and it's very important to you. And I think as a consumer who's not a sommelier, I want to be able to trust the label and I want to be able mm -hmm. to know that um, the people who created this abided by laws that were put in place to protect my health and well-being and allow me to enjoy this wine without wondering, is this, you know, trash or bootlegged or coffee right. pot or so bravo to you. Um, any, you know, anything we can do from our end over here, uh, everyone who listens knows I'm in California, but, um, you know, let us know. So I've been through that process. I know what that's like. It's not easy. And I'm impressed that you are committing so much of your already busy schedule to learning how to, uh, let's say, I don't want to use the word maneuver, but really to use in an ethical way, persuasion and influence as you should. Those legislators work for you. And I think mm -hmm. often they forget that. So, and I can say that because everyone knows I was married to a state representative and I always <laughs> reminded him that he worked for me, the voter. So he loved that. He loved oh, that. I'm sure that was great leverage <laughs> in your household. <laughs> I, I only wish I had that type of power over my husband. <laughs> well, he's a city manager now, so he's appointed, so I can't <laughs> do that anymore. But still, um, his bosses work for me. So there you go. Let's not forget. That's right. Now, as the voters. So I'm so impressed that you're doing that. That is quite a surprising fact about you. Now, I had it on my list of things to ask you to tell us something surprising about you. That pretty much, you know, surprised me. But if there's something else you like to let the public know that maybe they don't know already or that you haven't shared already, feel free. Now's the time. Well, one thing I was uh, thinking about as I'm looking, I'm sitting here in my office and I have some photos of some of our vineyard sites that are hung on the wall. And, and one of the things that, you know, a lot of people haven't heard it yet about is, you know, our brand name, our wines are named Willamette Valley Vineyards. And um, back in 2015, we actually opened up a, um, a community funded strategy um, for people to become owners in our winery. And, um, and we were founded this way back in the 1980s. We were um, the first uh, and never to be repeated, you know, self-underwritten public stock offering our founder did to, you know, raise the capital necessary to plant the vineyards and um, build the winery. And it resulted in about 5,000 uh, wine enthusiast owners. Today, we have 17,000 across the U.S. So okay, okay. A hey, wonderful, I yeah. I have to interrupt. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. So just a little shout out. I mean, my, mm -hmm. most of what I do is to lift women in business. Um, men are our allies, and I always include men in the messaging and what have you. But I just want to say a shout out to Jim. What a genius. Jim is <laughs> That's incredible. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was by necessity, as you know, a lot of people have dreams, but they don't come from, you know, well-funded, um, you know, families or have, you know, professional jobs that can, you know, essentially afford the hobby business. And, and so, you know, what he did was just think that, you know, I bet you a lot of people have a dream of being part of the wine industry. What if I could provide that opportunity for people? And it's really allowed us um, this amazing opportunity to continue to get people involved as owners, but to also go and find, you know, what is next when you look and, you know, think of Oregon wine. And one of the things we've done is we've expanded for the first time outside the Willamette Valley. And we've purchased um, property over in, on the east side of Oregon, um, in the side that, um, of Oregon that shares the Walla Walla Valley Appalachian. And we've planted now three vineyard sites uh, for our state vineyards and have made some of our first wines and are planning our winery over there. So it's really exciting for us to be able to explore and prove new Appalachians and, and really prove that Oregon has so much to offer um, Pinot Noir and other varietals. Now, this is a warm climate region, so this will be focused on Bordeaux and Rhone-based varietals. And, um, but it's just one thing that, you know, that's, it's, it's such a part of us and our DNA is the collaborative spirit of getting people involved and, um, and something that, you know, I really hope we, or I really hope that I continue leading in the future. I can't imagine you're not doing as well or better than Jim has done. So you are quite the leader. You are quite um, the collaborative leader. I think that's a sign of great leadership. I think the fact that you're opening this other, or you've, you've planted these other vineyards, you're sort of diversifying your portfolio of offerings. I think that's mm -hmm. genius as well. Very Thank smart. You. While still being loyal to the Oregon, you know, state of Oregon and the family, you know, and the people who have invested in Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, jobs, you're creating jobs. And I'm just excited to watch you grow in your new leadership position and to drink lots and lots and lots. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <My> you. <laughs> That's, that is one of the most rewarding things. And, you know, is to be able to grow something, make something, but then ultimately see how it brings people together. I mean, it's awesome. I love social media for the fact that people share with me what bottles of wine of ours they're drinking. I love it. I love it. So, you know, it's literally enjoying the fruits of your labor. Literally. Yeah. Like, that's not just a saying for you. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's incredible. And I, my father was a sommelier just for fun. And mm -hmm. I grew up drinking wine. A lot of people don't understand that, but I've been drinking wine since I was eight years old. Of course, I wasn't drinking a bottle a night, but right. I or, um, so I'm very familiar and very, um, I will never not be a wine drinker. Let's just put it that way. Um, and my husband was trying to, you know, be funny. And he said, well, lamb it, you sip it, don't slam it. And it was, <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. Does he, he needs to work in marketing as well. <laughs> <laughs> he would love it if I told him that, but no, that's my world. We're going <laughs> to, but this has been delightful. You are delightful and a pleasure to speak with. Is there anything else you'd like people to know? Um, if they want to reach you on social media or I will create, you know, I will create a blog about this and I will input some of your story, your bio, some pictures, 
but I'll also have your contact information. But just for now, for those who do the audio only, is there anything uh, you want them to know about where they can reach you on social media or? Yeah, I'm on social media and Instagram, Facebook, and always available by email. And I would love to continue the conversation. If anyone has any questions about wine, Oregon, or planning travels here, um, you know, need some motivation or a sounding board in their business activities, I would you know, love to expand my network and be of a, a great resource. Well, that sounds amazing. I, something just came to my mind, and before we sign off, I'd like to say it publicly. Um, I travel the country and I host these events where I shine a light on women who speak a TED Talk style for 20 minutes, share their story, not just brag about who they are and where they are now, but how they got to where they are, share the vulnerabilities and the obstacles and challenges, what it took to get where they are so that people can relate. Um, I'm putting you on my short list. <laughs> I would be, I would love to, but I'd also love to listen to the other attendees as well. I, I mean, I listen to so many podcasts. I get, I got really sad when I moved just a, a mile away from the winery and that I almost had no commute. And so I have to find other ways to fit in all my, you know, learning and, and, uh, so I have, I've had to take up a running <laughs> good for me and my brain, but yeah, that's how I fit it all in. You'll get that runner's high someday. I, I had it at one point in my life. It's gone to forever. Never. To <laughs> but I can see you'll, you'll get that. You're that kind of person that you'll go conquer the mountain. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit more about you on this podcast today. I know for a fact, folks, I know that I'll meet her in person soon, actually in July, I will be up there and I will tour the vineyard. But in the interim, if you have any questions for me about this podcast or Christine, uh, you can email me or Christine and I'll put that in the blog that we share. So thank you for listening in and have a good day, everyone. Mm -hmm.